Welcome to the Drum History Podcast. I'm your host, Bart Vanderzee, and today I am joined by Mark Beecher, the president of the National Association of Rudimental Drummers, voting member of the Grammys, creator of the DVD Art of Ancient Rudimental Drumming, a performer with many great artists, teacher at Drexel University. Mark, you're quite the, uh, you have quite the resume. How are you? Oh, good. Thank you so much for, uh, thank God with this uh, coronavirus going around. I'm just <laughs> yeah. glad, glad to be uh, vertical, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm really in a, thanks to all the medical professionals and first responders out there. Uh, Absolutely. Just uh, thanks to them. Yeah, but, no, that's uh, very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're uh, we're recording this obviously both at our different houses and stuff like that. So um, I'm just grateful that you could, you know, I think it's a good time now that I, that we do have time to do yeah. things like this yeah, and talk really. to each other. No, thank yeah. you, thank you for the invite. Absolutely, and I, and I'll say real quick um, that that uh, Brandon Faulkner was the man who connected us uh, and got us got this set up, and I just love that when people say, "Hey, you guys should talk," and, and here we are. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Brandon. Appreciate it. Cool. So uh, today's topic is basically the history of rudimental drumming, um, which is a pretty broad topic. There's tons of stuff to cover. So why don't we jump right in and you can take it back as far as you can go with the history of of rudiments and rudimental drumming. Yeah, well, uh, Bart, it goes back back to the pretty much to the to the Middle Ages. That's where that's where you get, where you see it coming in, uh, uh, in the uh, and, and was this as drumming and, and in the history of percussion um, and, and drums. I mean, there's always been a connection between drumming and dance. Yeah, um, and sure. uh, yeah, and it started out obviously with uh, n- not only with dance and entertainment in, in cultures, but also in the military for communications. Yeah. So, so before they had iPhones and walkie talkies and <laughs> radios, uh, the drum was the uh, drum and fife were the two things that were used for communications and, and sending signals uh, across a, a far distance, across fields of battle. Hmm. And the drums, especially now the fifes are very high register. So you could hear them, but the drums, uh, even more so, uh, were used um, for for communicating and sending signals. So not only in the military, but also in in, in very a lot of uh, indigenous cultures, the drum was used for communicating. But uh, gotcha. yeah, so we see some of the first notations for drum, uh, what we would call maybe rudiments. Uh, one of the the earliest documented forms is uh, in this book called Orchestography hmm. by, by this Frenchman, uh, Toineau Arbeau. And uh, he wrote this book, uh, Orchestography. And he has, um, he has this notation, this primitive drum notation. Now, up to that point, there really wasn't much drum notation at all. Because, well, first of all, people didn't think drummers were musicians. <laughs> Yeah, yes, unfortunately. Yeah, true. <laughs> probably in some bands, we, we still get that, right? <laughs> yeah, all the drummer jokes and all yeah, that stuff. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it took a while. It took all those years. I mean, now, now we're, we have recorded um, human history goes back uh, 5,000 years, pretty much. 
um, recorded human history. So it was only uh, uh, up until uh, the 1500s, the 16th century, that we start to see this drum notation. So this book by Tuono Arbo, this Frenchman, uh, it, it's the book is written in a in a a dialogue between a teacher and a student. And in this book, he's talking about dance and and the different aspects of of dance with uh, in their in their culture in France, and and he mentions about how the drum was used for uh, for to help with the dance. Hmm. And, and as we we know, it's kind of inbreded the the feeling of 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 the rhythm. We have our heartbeat. Sure. So yeah, that's kind of where we. It's kind of an in, rhythm is inbred in us in everyone. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we certainly see children are very percussive at an early age. We we see them. They like to take their hands and strike things. And sometimes we'll yes. see children at a very early age, like we did with Buddy Rich, where he, they just had this. At 18 months, he's a part of his parents' vaudeville act. I mean, he was just a total child prodigy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but but we do see young children with that ability uh, to, because we have that that sense of. I mean, the arts is is a God given uh, a thing that, uh, that that all humans are given to. We, we can sing. We have the voice, and I mean, the earliest instruments are the voice and percussion. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it referred to as the the uh, I believe it was in an earlier episode with Angela Sells. It was it was talking about how it was the mother drum, and it's it reminds you of your mother's heartbeat. Exactly, and yeah, and it's so true. I mean, it's yeah, it's nature. Exactly. I mean, you've heard that. Yeah, uh, you know, may, maybe uh, unconsciously we we've that was that that heartbeat of our mother's was in our brains, and subconsciously maybe we've that's part of the whole rhythm. The rhythmic process that that we that happens. So mm. so yeah. yeah. So this Twano Arbo uh, documented this. Um, documented before this. him, was it was it maybe passed down? Yeah, it was like all by orally. Yeah, yeah it was all by wrote. Yeah, it was all by wrote. Yeah, gotcha, right. gotcha. Um, okay. So and, and he he also would notated with. Uh, with words underneath the notes. So, okay. yeah, so you could kind of figure out how a rhythm would, would go. For example, he had uh, like well, one example of rhythm would be tan, tan, terry, tan. Huh. Tan, okay. tan, tan, terry, tan. The terry would be like yeah, 16th notes or eighth notes, depending on how fast you're saying gotcha. it. Yeah, which we still kind of do today with exactly. like Pat Boone, Pat Boone, Debbie Boone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah. so for Arbo, he was writing tan, 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 Terry, tan, Terry as the sixteenth notes, and uh, or okay. eighth notes, and and tan, tan as quarter notes or or eighth notes. Cool. So yeah, and then there, um, and also with I'm not too f- uh, moving ahead a. a a few years later, um, in Italy, there was a uh, another gentleman, uh, Bonaventura Pistofolo, and in 1627 he re- he released a book uh, by the name of uh, entitled Il Tornio, and it had pretty much the same notation. Now, uh, Arbo was using a uh, a five line staff, 
like we see today, but mm-hmm. the notes were all on one line. So, uh, and, um, in, in drum, in modern notation, most of the snare drum notation is on the, the C line of, of yeah. the staff. Sure. Well, this was pretty much, we find that pretty much on the same, uh, on the same line. So, uh, so you'll see it on the B line. And, uh, now, um, Pasofalo, he had his notation on the A, on the A line. And then, uh, so, hmm. so for those first, uh, let's say the first, um, like say the first hundred years, we're seeing the, the the drum notation all on one line with the with the words underneath to f- figuring out what the what like what hand is being played. Yeah, that's interesting because I guess yeah. everyone in the world is basically learning. It's just starting. So exactly. Kind of exactly. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah so for if you say like we were saying for. All those thousands of years, um, nobody was notating drum music. Yeah, so you had uh, for so for Arbo, you had Tan, Terry, and Frey. Now Frey was supposed to be uh, four quavers, four taps of the stick. So the other notation was the the Frey, yeah. the word Frey, F R E. That um, that was for four taps of the stick. Okay. So. Tan was one tap, Terry two, and then Frey was like a roll, say four or, or a roll. Gotcha. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, um, in uh, El Tornio in, in Pistofilo's book, uh, he has tapa, 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 like T A and then P A, tapa, tapa, for his, uh, for his notation. Now, let me ask you this. So these guys are putting this all together and maybe we take a sidebar and I can ask you what is, so, so what I'm getting at is when did the actual, are these considered rudiments at this point? And, and then on top of that, can you maybe give, so everyone is on the same page of all levels of learning. Mm -hmm. What is the definition of a rudiment? Okay. Well that, that term actually came in, uh, with uh, Charles Stewart Ashworth, who was the he was the drum major of the United States Marine Corps Band, so he came out with his new useful and complete system of drum beating at eighteen twelve. We've heard of the War of eighteen twelve, where yeah. So Charles Stewart Ashworth was the uh, he was the drum major for the Marine Corps Band, and he released this uh, this this manual. Uh, with drum rudiments, and that was where we first see the term rudiments. Gotcha. That's good to know. So then going back to what I was saying before about, so these guys are basically documenting, I would guess I would call them early rudiments, or like different rhythms and patterns, right, right? in Italy right. and in France. Okay. Right, so. right, right. So we have we have strokes, you know, differentiating between the right hand and the left hand. Sure. And then... And then later, as as time moved forward, uh, we start to see uh, in the 1700s. So we we went we go from the 1500s into the 1600s. We're pretty much with the same notation and and 
and, and one popular method uh, or, or of differentiating between the right hand and the left hand was uh, was poo too. Hmm. The right hand was poo. The left hand was too. So and, and poo was in P O U. Okay, P O U. Okay, man, they really. I didn't realize how prevalent it was to like verbalize. Oh yeah, yeah, right. So well, and I think that comes off of the fact that. Um, because everything was up to that point was by rote. Yeah. They're vocalizing a lot of these rhythms. So they finally wrote them down. And when one person wrote them down, then they just kind of followed suit with, with the notation. Sure. Right. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. So, uh, so with the left hand being poo and the, um, and the right hand being two, you see that notation, uh, uh, there are a few uh, early drum manuals in the 1700s by um, by some Revolutionary War drummers. So they were, and these are some of the earliest uh, drum manuals that we have actually by Revolutionary War soldiers. So we can see the rudiments that they were using, and we uh, you, uh, these copies are available. You can go to. Uh, Two of them are in the Massachusetts Historical Society, so you can go check them out. Uh, some, a few of them are available online. You can see bits and pieces of them. Um, and a friend, of, a friend of mine, um, Pfeiffer friend, Ed, Edmund Boyle, who lives about 10 minutes from me in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, he, um, he not only sells my drum video, but he sells all the pretty much all the manuals, early drum manuals that you could ever want. So. Cool. If you go to beafifer.com, like B A B E A F I, B E A F I F E R, beafifer.com, you can pick up these these manuals. It's pretty incredible to see the actual photocopies of these actual manuals from this from the the 1800s, 1800s, and you can see the progression of the rudiments. Yeah. So that's fascinating. So then they would write them out, obviously. You know, they would notate things with a, you know, ink and a quill. Exactly, and then, exactly. And then f- copy it, right, with like a printing press. I'm probably saying that. Right, right. Whatever they, well, or, the, yeah. or the slabs or whatever well, they would well, use. And, this, and these, uh, uh, these early, these Rev War uh, drummers, they were actually diaries. So they're, it's their handwritten diaries that they never reproduced. So oh, it's, it's just for them. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, wow. yeah. But they documented, and I mean, here we are reading it. I'm looking at this this photocopy of this one by Benjamin Clark. He was a, a drummer from the Rev War, and I'm looking at his rules for the drum, and he has the long roll, the ten, the nine stroke roll, seven, five, three, the double drag, single drag, the roughs. Wow. So there he has a list of the rudiments. Um, that he felt were the important ones. He also has uh, flamadiddle. Uh, he has the paradiddle. Um, really? Yeah. Nice. Right. So, you know, you're seeing some of the rudiments we're still playing today, but you're seeing it written in, in um, with, uh, you know, the, the right hand on top and the left hand on bottom or sometimes reversed. Yeah. Um, wow. But that's before... Um, the actual, like you said, eighteen twelve was when the root, like that's exactly that, right. before it was formalized. Exactly. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah. like and many things with drumming, it seems like it was like 
it was just like jazz almost where it's pulled from a thousand different places into one, you know, it, it becomes one thing later on, but it seems like this has just been building for hundreds of years. Exactly. And Interesting. yeah. So, um, yeah. So like in the, uh, this, uh, Charles Stewart Ashworth in his manual, the left hand is on the top and the right is on the bottom. And he hmm. and he was got like his influence was uh, he he was looking at some of the material. Now a lot of this came from well the first um, some of the the first real uh, the the drummers that were some of the the the, the more well trained drummers that uh, um, you found in Switzerland, and they were the Swiss drummers were the mercenaries, so they were part of you, you've heard of this uh, the Swiss Army and. Well, the, the Swiss mercenaries were hired by other countries to fight. Napoleon hired the, the Swiss mercenaries. And so these mercenaries, these Swiss drummers were traveling all around the world uh, fighting for these other countries. And even as they were uh, in, in their travels, they were picking up things as well, other military drum beatings. But, uh, but they were especially like the, the Swiss mercenaries were pretty fierce fighters. Of course, now it's a neutral country, but they still have. I, I, I didn't know that, so yeah, I want to yeah. like go into this even further because when you said Swiss Army, I'm like, I I don't know anything about. I know Swiss Army knives, right? But, right, right. But so you're saying they're mer- like the drummers are mercenaries who are fighters, or are there a group of mercenaries who also have drummers in their group who are you know the guys yeah. who? Well, yeah, the the drummers were the and the fifers were the ones giving the signals. Yeah, sure. So, of course. So without the without the drummers and fifers, like they wouldn't be able to do, they wouldn't be able to march and, and step, and they wouldn't be able to hear their signals across the field. Wow. So like you said, like Napoleon would say, we need more fighters. Exactly. Or let's call the Swiss Army. Let's call yeah. Let's call the Swiss Army to come help us out. And and it, actually in America, we George Washington did the same thing. He brought over General Lafayette from France. Yeah. And also General uh, von Steuben from he was a Prussian German Prussian soldier. Oh so, man! Wow. Yeah. So uh, and especially von Steuben, he wrote a manual for the for the troops, and mentioned the importance of the of the the rudiments or the drum the the drum signals. Hmm. And now uh, you were saying this before, and just to so make sure I fully understand. So I. I in my limited knowledge of this before we were talking, I've always heard that I've equated rudiments with Switzerland. Yes. And and I don't know why. I think I know why now because of what you just said of these guys traveling all over and gaining this knowledge from all these different, you know, places exactly. fought. That's fascinating. Exactly. And people were, uh, and, and some of the, the militaries from the other countries, they would pick up stuff from the Swiss drummers and vice yeah. versa and so you'll see a similarity in french drums french rudiments and swiss rudiments there are a lot of mm. uh, similarities sure yeah um wow cool that's yeah. unbelievable i had no idea yeah and well of course i don't know if you've if you're familiar with one of the rudiments that that's you can use on the drum set on drum kit uh, you know I, I still call it a drum set i mean the original term was trap set Oh yeah, but I think um, drum set, drum kit, yeah. tubs, whatever the hell you want to call it, is fine. right. Right. I, I think the kit kind of came out of the 
the British invasion. We yeah. everybody called it the drum set before the Beatles came over, and then they heard Ringo calling it the drum kit. Now, well, it was cool to call the drum kit. So, but before <laughs> yeah. that, everybody called it a trap set or a drum set. Sure, set of yeah. drums. But you uh, get you can call it whatever you want. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So we so the rudiments progressing from Europe uh, into uh, over the into the British Isles. And then as the, uh, as the settlers were coming over from Europe, so were all the, the, the culture, the music, and for the military, when the military was being formed uh, from the, the colonies, uh, those, the, the, the uh, what would you call the American, the American colonies, mm-hmm. they were borrowing uh, their, a lot of their calls from the British. So... They were using a lot of the. They were using the British manuals for their uh, for their education, their instruction. Uh, one of the one of the manuals that was pretty popular at the time was um, from uh, this manual by Sam Potter. This is a British manual, and he was a drum major in the Coldstream Regiment of Foot Guards. So for under mm-hmm. Charles the Fourth, so. Right. So you have you have uh, Potter's manual coming over, and and for the for the musicians and military people that were coming over from Britain from uh, from the UK, they were they were picking up the the English rudiments, which were some influenced from your other parts of Europe. So you have this uh, you have this melding pot of drum yeah. rudiments, right, from Europe. And, and the UK coming over into America. And uh, so you'll, you'll see a lot of, sim- I mean, some of the, the main similarities are the flam, the, the long roll, the double surf roll or the long roll, if you call it that. Sure. Um, now, this again is probably, I'll ask the stupid questions that maybe mm-hmm. someone out there is thinking. Is there, is there ever any, I guess that maybe it wouldn't happen because battlefields are so huge, but if, if there's two countries or groups or regions fighting let's say america versus you know the Re- revolutionary war if mm-hmm. with england are there ever any confusion over the troop like the the different groups of drummers from the each side playing similar patterns is that a dumb question no 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 it's not a dumb question and um they uh well the the, the one thing that that uh, say in the in the American Revolution, the one thing that um, that a lot of people don't know, like I, I've done some, uh, I, I do a lot of work uh, entertaining the the tourists in Philadelphia. I've done that for many years. Now you know, we haven't done it lately because of the the, the coronavirus. Course, but sure, um, I mean, most of my life I've been entertaining tourists in Philadelphia, and, and you'd be surprised how many people know nothing about their American history. In fact, yeah. in fact, Europeans know more about American history than Americans do. So <laughs> great. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but I know it's pretty bad, <laughs> but uh, you know, like I'll have a, a revolutionary war uniform and somebody will say, are you supposed to be Abraham Lincoln? And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. But, but now we'll be wearing our, our red regimental uniforms and people say, are you the British? You know, I thought, I, I thought, you know, 
you're the Redcoats? Well, the, the American soldiers were wearing, uh, the, the musicians wore red. Now, the British also wore red, too. Yeah. But the, the Americans, the, 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 uh, the American soldiers, troops were wearing, the, the musicians would wear red with blue collars and, and, and sleeves. Whereas the British were had uh, uh, red with white, hmm. so but the red the, the red you could be seen at a far distance. So uh, now some of the uh, some of the beatings would be uh, uh, a little different. They would have some of the same kind of. They would have the same uh, uh, maybe like say a rough or they would call it rough or drag. Yeah, uh, like. The two two grace notes with the left and the the main stroke with the right, either called a rough or a drag. Sure. Um, now they would take that and put it in a different combination than, say, the British. Okay. So they would they would be there would be different. Uh, they they would change up the beat so there wouldn't be confusion between okay. the troops. Yeah, because that could be a problem. Yeah, we're. Yeah. I could even, I mean, it'd be dirty, but I could even see you using that to your advantage to like confuse people, like some espionage type. Oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Interesting. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, there was, uh, you know, so you do have, a, they were using the same rudiments, you know, they sure. were using, though, they're all using long rolls, the double circle roll. Yeah. But, but you would have to change it up as to not confuse your troops with the other ones. So, yeah. But yeah. then, like I said, but then the other thing that decided whether it was, Hey, are they from our side or not? Were there, were their uniforms? So, mm. and, and the reason okay. why they, the, again, the, 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 the different colors or the red, the red uniforms for the musicians. So they could be seen through the battle. It was easier for them to be seen at a, at a greater distance. Sure. To so. know that, okay, pay attention to this guy. He's going to tell us what's going on. And also, they probably wouldn't go out of their way to go and start killing musicians. Even Well, believe it or not, they would. <laughs> yeah. They, well, uh, in fact, that was a problem, like even in the Civil War, you know, kill the messenger. Because <laughs> if, if you don't want, we don't want the, we don't want them to send oh. the signal. So kill the drummer sure. first. Sure. You know? Wow. Yeah, so Man. a lot of a lot of these young boys uh, are are joining the 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 army, you know, at twelve years old, mm. and sometimes even younger. I mean, they they would sneak in. They wanted to join. They thought it was cool to join. Someone would sneak in earlier, uh, and then but you know you have really young young boys, and they're just thrown into learning an instrument, and not all the the technique was. Was that good? It was something that George Washington complained about, von Steuben. So they they were on a campaign to improve the the musicianship so that the beatings were more accurate. So really? you're bringing people in that aren't musicians and just giving them, handing them a drum and say, okay, play this. You know, that so, almost speaks to the like the nature of people thinking, oh, it's just a drum. Just exactly. Give them the drum. Exactly, exactly. Wow. Exactly. That's crazy. George Washington commented on. Oh, are you kidding? You know? oh, oh, the drummer was really he. I mean, he made he would put out orders to bring drummers for like one point they needed a drummer. And he put out a, an order to bring this drummer 
from uh, from one town to to where they were stationed. So otherwise, they were they were they're sunk without the signals. Yeah. So without yeah. the drummer, the drummer was really important. I mean, this is a really important part of world history. I mean, uh, people don't realize it, but even for the the lay person, the average person, I don't. I, don't, I mean, not only do they not know where their own history, but most people, even a lot of historians don't realize the importance of drummers, especially in the military, in our world history, not only for culture, but for their survival of, of our, of our country. The drummer was really important. And, and for, in order for them to, in order for the, the, the armies to survive and to win the battles, the drummer was really important. Yeah. So he he had to know all these signals. Mm, he had to man. learn them, and uh, you know, I mean, there was like there's a, 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 the troop, there's the march, there's the preparative, there's the the retreat, there's a church call, there's a uh, the ch- they call it the roast beef, their dinner call. <laughs> so they have all these calls that the drummer, and then, um, yeah, you know, you have all these and and. The troops are relying on these calls to one to go to bed, Reveille, mm. um, three camps was was Reveille, used to wake up the troops. And a lot of people don't know that taps, you know, you, you hear um, the, the term taps at, at yeah. funerals. Well, that w- really was the drummer that was oh. the, the, the one who originally played the taps for Lights Out. And uh, it came from... Uh, the tap, the, it was short, uh, well, some people say it was short for tap toe, the, the word tap toe or tap two. And what that was, was that was the signal for the bars to put the taps up. So, Man. yeah. So That's crazy. It is crazy. That. It is crazy. So the drummer is giving the signal for everybody to go to sleep. And if they didn't put their lights out, I mean, they could be actually, they could be shot or hanged for not obeying the orders of turning the lights out at night. So that's a, that's an appropriate reaction. Um, yeah. I, well, believe, believe it or not, I was, I was, there's the story of a, of a, of a soldier not putting his lights out. He was writing a letter to his wife and the, the commander came around and said, uh, soldier, why, why aren't your lights out? He said, well, I'm writing a, a note to my wife. He said, well, you can also add that you'll be shot at daylight for not obeying the orders. I mean, they were, the, the, you know, oh. yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, brutal. Uh, you know, people think, you think of the Revolutionary War being the powder puff, the people wearing wigs, and it wasn't a powder puff. War is all war is bad, so. Yeah, I think that's a great point of like, almost like, I don't know, movies. You almost think of like, I forget, I think it was the Revolutionary War, but like, like uh, the Patriot with like oh, Mel was, Gibson. Or that was a great. That was a great one. You it know? was a great one. But yeah. I just mean, you think of these movies, which that actually was a great representation yeah, of the it really stuff. Was. But, but like even like World War One, the yeah. Civil War, all of these wars are just Every, war, is war. war. War is war, and all wars are bad. And you know, there's no yeah. war that's worse than any other one. So you know, no. hats off to our service people. Absolutely. But now, uh, um, getting back on track yeah, here a little yes. bit. So, so rudiments were were in Europe, starting in earliest notation was in France, right? Then, in 1627, went to Italy, 
Right. Then we got sort of mixed in with the Swiss. Where then it spread around Europe right, more. Right. 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 Correct. Well, yeah. And the uh, actually, there's there's records of the this what they call the side drum. The earliest actual record of a of a, of a, like say a snare drum or drum being used, like maybe the first gig on record was in the 1300s in Basel, Switzerland. Okay, and really. The, the, the drummer was the town crier. So the drummer was the one that announced, made all the announcements, you know, hear ye, hear ye. You'd see yeah. in movies with a, somebody uh, shaking the bell. Sure. Well, it was really in, in the earliest uh, notation that we have of drummer getting paid was he was a part of the, the he was a part of the this, this city. He would be being paid by the city to make the announcements, the news for the day for the city. So that was in the 1300s. So we have that. If you go to Basel, Switzerland, you can see the record of the drummer, and he was listed as on the uh, on the payroll for working for the city for giving the news of the day. God, so the drummers were so the- <laughs> long ago. That's yeah, unbelievable. I mean, it, it is unbelievable. I mean, if you if you think about it, you know, you're this is. Uh, you know, the earliest drummer's gig was being a, like a CNN uh, a news host. Yeah. <laughs> for, <laughs> That's for the, awesome. For the city of Basel. So, again, the drummers, the, the, the importance of the drummer in society, you know, was really – and they're playing, you know, they're playing rudiments. They're, they're playing strokes. And as, as we saw, like you mentioned in our Bose uh, book, we start to see – you know, differentiate between right and left and, and right hand and left hand. And that carried through, yeah, uh, Italy, then England. Uh, this They have this record of this. It was called the English March, they call it. Hmm. So it was, there was the voluntary before the march and then the march. So there were two parts of it. But uh, uh, Charles I, King Charles I, actually put a warrant out for the drummer to play this march. So, and, and it has the poo to poo to, you know, it has that underneath yeah. the notes all in the same line. Wow. So, yeah. So we go from the, the, the 1300s to the 1500s in France and 1600s in Italy and to England. And, and it comes across to the American colonies. Across the American colonies. And wow. then they, then with the, the soldiers being trained, they're learning the rudiments, and then we have these these early manuals. We have um, we have the um, Charles Stuart Ashworth book. We have uh, even we have one. Um, we we actually have some other manuals from London. Uh, we have one is called the Young Drummer's Assistant by Longman and Broderip. That was 1780. There was a manual uh, called the Academy of Ar- Armory by Randall Home. That was in 1688. And actually mentioned both a rough and a drag. There's been this debate, okay, what's a rough and a drag? Because in the in the 26 rudiment art rudiment list, um, you'll see the the two right two right uh, or two left grace notes, and then the, the strong uh, right hand or reversed those three notes as a rough. But then now they're calling it a drag. Well, actually, in this um, 
Academy of Armory by Randall Home in 1688, he actually mentioned it's all he doesn't show notes, but he mentions the rudiments and he actually mentions a roof, R-O-O-F-E, and a drag, D-R-A-G-G. So they're both in the same book. Now, now there's hmm. I was in this uh, uh, um, yeah. this email list for um, a, a debate that was going on. Okay, what's a rough and what's a drag? That this has been going on for probably since since the Nard rudiments were was put together. The, the since the Nard rudiment list was put together, there's been this argument. Well, I've seen in old manuals the, the word drag used for three those three notes. That's interesting. So there's some debate, I guess, of but that's true with a lot of things with the origins of right, something, especially right. because well, that far. Now you're familiar, probably familiar with the term the Muller stroke. We've heard yes. this, yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, Sanford Muller. I don't know if you know anything about Sanford A. Muller at all, but Dom Famulara just on came on the uh, show and did a whole episode on. Moeller, Gladstone, and Stone. So, yeah, okay, okay, good. Let's see right. how much I retained. Okay, go ahead and test me. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Sanford Moeller was a famous drummer and teacher. He was also a great drum maker too. But he also taught Gene Krupa. We all know the name Gene Krupa, pretty of much. Course. I'm sure, right? Sing, 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 and played with Benny Goodman, had his own band, yeah. right? Well, at one point, he wanted to learn the rudiments. So he went and he heard about this guy, Sanford Muller, that he's the top rudimental drummer. If you want to learn about military drumming and rudiments, go to Sanford Muller, which he did. And the thing about Muller was he, at one point, he um, he had seen the, he, he was still alive when the, the uh, Civil War Veterans were still around. And um, you can actually, I show a lot of my students this and other drummers, this, which is probably hard to believe. I mean, if you ask somebody, hey, are there any films of Civil War drummers at all or musicians or anybody? You'd probably say films of civil, people who fought in the Civil War? Uh, no, I don't think so. But actually, if you go on the YouTube, there's a video of Civil War veterans playing fifes and drums. Wow. Okay. These, find that. these guys are, uh, these guys are 90 years old and they're still playing rope tension drums with a lot of power. So you can actually go on YouTube and see people who fought in the Civil War playing the instruments that they were playing on, which is really incredible. You know, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you put in GAR, Fife and Drum, GAR, the Grand Army of the Republic, that's the Union Army. If you put in G-A-R, Fife and Drum, you'll see this video of these fifers and these veteran fight, 90-year-old uh, veterans playing the fife and drum. It's amazing. That's so they're, cool. They're, yeah, yeah, I know. So um, Smaller saw these these veterans playing. It was like, how, why, how do they have so much power in their playing? So he would go, uh, at one point, he went to a veteran's hospital and he was talking to these some of these veteran musicians, Civil War musicians, and they were showing him this technique while we use like a whipping motion when we play. So he took that same, you know, he talked to several of them and he, he narrowed it down to this is the technique that they used, which is based on an upstroke and a downstroke. So you have it basically uh, three strokes. And my, my drum teacher was William... Reamer, who was a national champion, four-time national champion 
drummer who hmm. had played wow. had uh, this is back. He was a national champion drummer back in the forties. Played and and all the drum corps he played in were all national champions. He taught other national champion drummers. He was a drum judge, and he has spent time with all these a lot of these famous drummers learned the Connecticut style of drumming, which is still but probably the, the center for all rudimental drumming is in Connecticut. Um, that's where a lot of my friends are. We have a drum group here in, in, um, in the Philadelphia area called the troublemakers. And it's made up of, that's of funny. student, former students of Bill Reamer. And, cool. Well, we call ourselves the troublemakers. That was what Bill Reamer called the six stroke roll actually. Oh really? He was intro- he was intro- Bill Reamer was introducing a lot of these rudiments, um, the Rademacue six stroke roll on, on in the field of competition and drum and bugle corps way before the drum corps are that are playing them now. Like he was he was a big innovator on the field of competition, so he's introducing a lot of these rudiments back in the forties and fifties. Now it's the six stroke roll. It's a part of drum set. It's part of sure. drum corps. So yeah, Reamer was teaching. So he, they didn't know what to call it. They didn't call it the six stroke roll. He called it the troublemakers because people were having trouble learning it. So he called troublemaker. <laughs> That's funny. So that we just, we, yeah, we decided to call our group the troublemakers, but it's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, so, um, so with all this, uh, so you have a, a lot of the, 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 the rudimental drummers, because a, the, a lot of the uh, the regiments were located in New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, you have a lot of these, uh, a lot of the schools, actually some of the schools for military uh, um, musicians were, were in New York anyway. So um, one, is one of the manuals that probably one of the most popular manuals that was published was uh, Bruce is called the drummers, uh, drummers and fifers guide by uh, George B. Bruce and Dandy Emmett, and mm. yeah, so that their school was in New York, and so they were they were teaching really teaching drummers and fifers how to play, because again there was this Lincoln talked uh, uh, Grant President Grant talked about how we need to improve the the, the musicianship because as I mentioned before these young kids are coming in 12 years old, 10 years old, you know, 13, 14, and just thrown into learning to play the drum. So we need to get the musicianship up to par. So they actually formed these schools where they would actually tr- start to train these drummers in the proper manner. Hmm. That's, and That's interesting because I always wonder about you kind of think like, how was this formalized? Like, and I, I've I've heard on some previous episodes where people would say, well, early on it was like, you know, your dad was a drummer and he taught you, or the neighbor was, or your grandpa was. But it's good to know that okay, so then this is when, let's say by presidential decree, they were like, all right, we kind of sound a little sloppy here. Exactly, and this yeah, let's this, tighten this up. Exactly. So it started with George Washington, uh, and it what it. Continued through to to through the Civil War, there was this uh, desire to, you know, we need to start cleaning this up. We need the musicians up to step up. So mm-hmm. yeah, so they formed these schools, and then a lot of these manuals started appearing. More manuals on drumming and fifing, and bugles too. So, um, <clears throat> so you know, we have the uh, the the Bruce and Emmett their their book. Dan Emmett uh, was the the gentleman who wrote Dixie, the tune Dixie. 
Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, there was actually a film about uh, Dan D. Emmett and uh, Bing Crosby played. I don't know if you're familiar with Bing Crosby. But of course. Yeah, sure. yeah. Right. So Bing Crosby actually played Dan Emmett in this movie. And it was called, really? Dix- it was called Dixie, but they don't show it. They, they pretty much abandoned it because Dan Emmett and historically was, was a toured around in blackface. So I, I was going to say, I knew where that was going. I was going to say, everything ends up being kind of racist. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, unfortunately, that's a sad part of our, as we know, a sad part of our American history. Uh, yeah. So, is, yeah. So, and, and I can certainly understand why we wouldn't, we wouldn't want that to be shown. You know, we want well, it's like a, the birth of a nation. Exactly. D.W. Yeah. Griffith film. Yeah. It's like it, it's a part of the history, but God, it's not. Yeah. No, part of the history. no, not. Um, yeah. That's. It needs a, a it needs a d- adult supervision. Or, <laughs> yes, or not, not not even to be seen because you don't want to even want that in the minds of people. No, you know? no, it's horrible. But um, now that we're at the Civil War and all this stuff, it's it's obviously I know the term rudiments and all that stuff had been formalized. What what does it look like compared to? Uh, again, as a guy who what didn't grow up. You you obviously are the, the king of all this. So so how did it look compared to today where we've got the set amount, what did you say, 26 official yeah, rudiments? Right, right. How, how does it look compared to that where like it's very standardized? Uh, the Vic Firth of the day is printing a poster that has all the rudiments on it. And yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah. But like wh- where did they, you yeah, know, was so, it really formal? Um, well, it was formal in the sense of the military. And the so you know yeah. from the Civil War, that's where the the uh, the 19th century, the 1800s is where you start to where it's all starting to come together even more. It's in its infancy uh, in back in the you know what in Basel with the the town sure. crier drummer, um, and oh also there's a famous painting going back to the Middle Ages. There's a famous painting called the Night Watch, and it's by Rembrandt. And you'll see in the in the lower um, the lower right hand corner of the painting, you'll see a drummer with a side drum with a snare drum playing. So it's one of it's a famous painting where you're you know one of the first early paintings where you can see a drummer playing with a drum off to the side, off to the left hand side mm. on the angle. So, oh yeah, I'm looking at yeah, it. I see yeah, it the, yeah, that's right. The night watch. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the earlier. So you can kind of get an idea of what the drum looked like, and in, in, in comparison to a human, you know, there there were pretty large drums back in the yeah. 1500s. Oh my God! Yeah. So yeah. But, but then going forward, forward way, way yeah. in, so to the Civil War, then we're looking more. We're looking more standardized. The the military says these are our rudiments. These are what we play right. in those schools. So it's, right. it's exactly. Now there's manuals that you know people can, and and the average person. They were starting to publish some of these these uh, manuals, and you could pick them up. And, and in fact, some of them were published right here in Philadelphia. Hmm. So, yeah, and and so as as musicians leave the military, they'll, they'll bring all that information with them, those, those techniques and that knowledge with them, teaching other people. And then some of them would have those manuals with them, so they're teaching their students even post a military as veterans they're teaching. So then what started to happen too, the, then with these veteran groups, these veteran groups had the idea of putting together 
performing groups, bands. So they would put together these, these uh, like American Legion posts, veterans of foreign war posts would put together uh, marching, uh, marching music groups, which became drum and bugle corps, fifes and, and drum corps, fife drum and bugle, and also some other organizations like churches, um, Boy Scout troops would put together these groups, and then they would start to compete. So, that makes still- sense. oh, so that's that's kind of when it started to get to where we get now, where there's you're not. We're not out in, you know, exactly. modern wars playing snares to signal people. Exactly. So exactly. So, um, so cool. yeah, I know. So as you're, as these manuals are becoming more available and then people are, are copying some of those rubes, and then somebody like, like Mahler, who was t- who taught Gene Krupa, spending time with the, uh, spending time with Civil War veterans, he's documenting all this down and he, he releases his, Drum, um, the art of snare drumming. He releases his book, which becomes real popular. Ludwig, uh, Ludwig starts to publish it. And when you start getting these, these drum companies like Leedy, Leedy and Ludwig, Ludwig and Ludwig, they were, they were, uh, publishing like the first Nard book. Well, Ludwig sponsored Nard, the National Association of Rudimental Drummers. They were the ones to sponsor and they, all the, 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 the drummers that met for Nard all met, they were at an American Legion convention. So that's where they all met again, coming together of the military and, and they were veterans. So you got the veterans, military people with all their knowledge of the rudiments, uh, getting together and then competing. They would have individual contests and they would have the drum and bugle corps competitions and fifes, drum and bugles. And then they also had fifes and drums uh, from, you know, in America from playing from the 1600s up until through the 1700s to, uh, and then into the 1800s. And then through today, we still have drum and bugle chord. We still have fife and drum chord. Sure, we have yeah. fife and drum bugle. So that tradition is, has been maintained from the beginning of our nation through today. And, and again, the competition was a, a means for there to be incentive for people to get better and yeah. improve their musicianship. And uh, I com- I've com- I competed. I competed individually. I won a medal individually um, with, with a buddy of mine, uh, Andy Reamer, who's uh, was my teacher's uh, son. Who's now he's Andy Reamer's now the principal percussionist with the Phil- uh, with the Pittsburgh Symphony. So he he and I was our first time out competing. Uh, we competed as a duet up in Connecticut. We had to go to Connecticut to compete, but yeah. So we won a, a second place medal for our first time out, which we were we were pretty pleased with. So oh, yeah, that's great. Know. That's super cool. Now let me ask you this: When did when did NARD or the National Association of Rudimental Drummers form? Because again, it's that it's that switching from this is military to like you said Ludwig is sponsoring it and stuff I mean that's exactly just awesome yeah. when did that start that started in 1933 that was at the oh. um, at the the convention the American Legion convention these drummers all happened to meet and so they decided hey we want to f- let's form an organization just for drummers so they did that and they um, so they met and they, they decided to, to, they gave it the name, the National Association for Rudimental Drummers. And 
they thought, well, we need to establish a set of rudiments, a list of rudiments. How do we do that? So they finally, they got all these, the, all the manuals that they thought were the most important manuals, they got together uh, and then took the best. So there was the, um, there was, Ash, I mentioned Ashworth, Charles Stewart Ashworth. There was his yeah. manual. There was the Bruce and Emmett. We talked about that. There was uh, Muller's book. Then there was uh, uh, Gardner A. Strube. Um, that was adopted by the uh, U.S. Army in, in 1869. So it was a little later than the uh, Bruce and Emmett. Br- the Bruce and Emmett book came out in 1862, from 1862 to 65. And then the Strube uh, manual, which is probably one of the more influential uh, manuals, that came out in 1869. Then there was John Philip Sousa put out a manual. So you know the name John Philip Sousa. Of course. Yeah. 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 So. Um, so okay. th- yeah, so his manual came out. So they uh, they used that. Um, that was in uh, the copyright for that was eighteen eighty six. Um, so you had uh, you had Bruce and Emmett in eighteen sixties, uh, Strube eighteen sixty nine towards the end of the sixties, and you had John Philip Sousa eighteen eighty six. Um, uh, Muller and then uh, Muller's was a uh, copyright in, in 1921 to 1929. Those, that's when it was first published. So that that's mm. pretty early in the 1900s. But they then, they were taking all of these and kind yeah. of filtering it down to the best. How how many did they end up with? They ended point? up they ended up with a 26. Oh wow! Yeah, okay, yeah. Gotcha. So some of the like uh, uh, the Ashworth had uh, 14 rudiments. Um, let's see. Uh, then there was, uh, uh, Bruce and Emmett had 25 rudiments. Muller had, um, 26 rudiments listed. Um, Strube had 25. So he had pretty much, uh, you know, around the same numbers for rudiments listed in these. And most of them all had the same. There, there are only a few that like, uh, the Bruce and Emmett had, Flam accent number two. Mm. That wasn't, uh, they didn't list the flam accent number two in the 26 rudiment list. Um, they also, uh, John Phil Sousa also listed the four stroke rough. Now they didn't list the four stroke rough in the, uh, in the 26 Nord rudiments, but mm. most of them all had, they had the long roll, the five circle roll, seven, nine, 10, 11, uh, 13, 15, flam, rough, single drag. They all had uh, the single power diddle. Now, some had the, they didn't list the triple power diddle. They didn't, they decided not to list the triple power diddle in the 26 rudiments. Uh, and there's one, there's one called the Lesson 25. Now, people are like, why do they call it the Lesson 25? Well, it happened to be the, the 25th uh, uh, Strube, uh, Gardner A. Strube, he he referred to his um, the rudiments as lessons, so it happened to be the twenty fifth lesson rather than calling it the twenty fifth rudiment. So right. it, because they didn't know how what to call it, they called it lesson twenty five because it was the twenty fifth rudiment in Strube's manual. Makes sense. It's a cool yeah. name. I mean, yeah. to have one that's lesson like they all kind of have these cool little like uh, names to them. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and actually, that they the Mentioning the lesson twenty five, that 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 
that same rhythm you find in the Arbo manual. So, um, and some manuals, there were, there were a few manuals where, um, they, they didn't notate rudiments in the, uh, that is during the, this, uh, these, the Civil War period. There were rudiments that they just wrote down phonetically what, or they, they would say a five, a three, and a two. Well, in, in, for the lesson 25, in, in one of the early, um, drum manuals, they called it a three and a two. A, well, and it was, it was, it started with a seven stroke roll. So it would be a seven stroke roll and then a lesson 25, but they would say a seven, a three and a two. And the, so it was a seven stroke roll. The three would be the rough and then the two or the, the two remaining. So you got the, so that yeah. what they call seven, a three and a two. Gotcha. But so, yeah. Uh, so then they decided to call that the lesson 25. So at that point you had the, uh, you had the 26 rudiments. And then later when Nard was uh, having problems financially, they uh, Ludwig decided it was too much for them to, to they, at the, the point they disbanded Nard Ludwig, uh, they were at about almost up to 10,000 members. So imagine licking the stamps of, of 10 of 9,000 letters or, or I can't. News, yeah. sounds like a, a Seinfeld episode. Yeah, them. exactly. <laughs> so, so Man. they decided, okay, it's too much. We don't want to put the money into that. It's, it's enough. And at that point, percussive art society was gaining momentum and they decided they were getting more into promoting marching drumming, military drumming. So at that point they decided to take over the promotion of, of rudiments and they got together a group of, uh, of the top rudimental drummers and they had a meeting, the percussive art society and decided let's update the list from the 26 rudiments to 40. So, and they added some extra rudiments to the, to the list. And actually, uh, believe it or not, towards the end of the, um, the demise of NARD before I started up again in 2008, um, they, there was talk about, updating the list of the, the NARD list. So even among mm. the NARD members, they were considering updating the list of the 26 rudiments. So that was so the percussive art society took on the, uh, the 40, they, they, they upped the amount to 40 included some of these, we were talking about Swiss rudiments. They included the Swiss army triplet, uh, which is called the Swiss army triplet because it's used a lot by the Swiss army in their, in their training. That makes sense. Yeah. So, Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah and so it, is it still, would you say that it's at this point, April 27th, 2020, when we're recording this right now, is it pretty much locked in or is it an ever changing thing? It's, a, uh, it's, there, it's somewhat locked in, but it, it's still evolving. Uh, when I was in playing in drum corps back in, uh, uh, in the seventies, I played in, in uh, several uh, championship cores, and um, I played alongside one drummer, um, Tom Hannum, who was voted into the Hall of Fame, a uh, pretty popular uh, drum corps teacher and performer. And uh, he and I would just spend hours uh, shedding and, and challenging each other with some of these uh, hybrid rudiments. We, would, we were kind of in the stages of, developing some of these hybrid rudiments that are now a part of the 
of, of the standard among drum corps drummers. So you say, what, what happened? You know, you, you, you try, you get a little bored playing, okay, 26 rudiments, let's challenge ourselves. Let's try putting a diddle on this rudiment where just yeah. a single circle would be, or a flam and two, and like a flam and two diddles. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so. I think that's why they're so, I mean, for so many years, that's why they've been so beneficial to drummers is because you can take, you can look at this one thing, let's just say a paradiddle, and do a million different things with it. And I exactly. think that's why they have such a longevity and it, are so beneficial. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, real quick, I know we're, we're getting short on our time here, but sure. um, uh, we're talking about the drummers. Um, and I mentioned about that YouTube video with the, the GAR, Fife and Drum. Yeah. You can see the veteran. Well, what was interesting, I was talking to uh, Daniel Glass. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Daniel. Yeah, he's been on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, a uh, great drummer and good friend of mine. And uh, we were talking. And uh, he was putting together his um, sensory project, and we we're talking about these Civil War drummers. And I showed him this this video of these Civil War drummer veterans playing, and we noticed on the hoop of the the snare the main the main guy that was playing the snare drum was a wood block. So it's like wow, like he's got a trap on his rope drum. So they were actually using traps. In uh, the Civil War, so they weren't just playing; they were adding traps to get other sounds. And yeah. they, so the the woodblock was being used in this video. They're at one point they're drumming, and then they're playing on the rim while this guy's doing like a clogging, like tapping. So sure. they would they would use the woodblock for an effect, like to to sim if like somebody's doing the clog step, they would they would play along with them on the woodblock. So Man. when you see the evolution of the drum set, the drum set is the military drum line. It's a snare drum, bass drum, cymbals. So exactly, that's yeah, and that's where that's where the drum set, the, the trap set came from. And the double and drumming with the, the bass double drum, drumming, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that Boy. all came from the military. And if you watch Baby Dodds, he films of Baby Dodds playing. Even in his book, he he has he has a uh, he put out um, a solo album. And on his album, uh, one of his his uh, songs is called Rudiments. Hmm. So he played, you know, talked about the mama dad role, and so yeah, yeah. These early drummers, even of the the pioneers of the drum set, were playing Rudiments because it came out of the military, and they're playing the Rudiments uh, as a part of that evolution. And and yeah, yeah. So Man, I, I love that, like you know from a drummer starting today up to like, let's say Steve Smith or whoever, just one of these great drummers, we're all practicing the same. We're all getting the same, uh, you know, great workout from using these rudiments. It's oh, just, of course. A, and, I love and, that. And probably one of the more popular drummers, uh, who, uh, promoter of rudiments is Steve Gadd. Oh yeah. Of course. Who, sure. I, I the opportunity to talk to, uh, for, a little while at one point and yeah he came out of drum corps and uh so so he's playing um i have a video there's a very popular uh, uh drum beating in connecticut and in the fife and drum circuit it's um it's called crazy army and this was a, a, a kind of a standard it, it, it was 
it's it comes from the Army 2-4. There was a standard drum part that w- you'll find in the Bruce and Emmett book. And, and they it ended up being, they were called the Army 2-4 because it's kind of the standard 2-4 drum beating mm-hmm. for a 2-4 piece. So it was called the Army 2-4. And so um, these guys uh, uh, took the, the, the Army 2-4 and beefed it up and syncopated it and developed this beating they and they ended up calling it a crazy army. So instead of the mm-hmm. army two four, they call it crazy army, and it started making the rounds in the drum in the drum corps circuit. And being as Steve Gad was in the drum corps circuit, he picked up on this. This was one of the beatings that you had to kind of learn, not if it was a rite of passage, but yeah, it was it one that, to learn it. Yeah, sure. So. He now, he, whenever he does a drum clinic, he always plays the Crazy Army. Oh, so cool. yeah. I, so I have a, I have a video from my video. I have a clip of of myself with a bass drummer playing Crazy Army on the rope drum. So that's awesome. You know, you can yeah. see the, you know, you can see the similarity. I mean, Steve Gadd plays the authentic Crazy Army, but he brings in his bass drum and funks up the bass drum part. You know. For yeah. the, but he's playing the he's playing the crazy army as is written. So he's a perfect example of using the rudiments and oh, exactly, uh, exactly. We, also, a Billy Cobham. Billy Cobham yes. played in drum corps. He's another drum corps guy. Man. Um. Uh. Yeah. Who's the other guy? I'm thinking of too. That's a drum corps guy. Oh, I mean, right at this point, there are a lot of guys. Played of them. So yeah, played in drum lines in high school and. Well, and, and I want to say, too, that I'm sure people are thinking about it, about, like, why aren't you getting to that? I, I'm working on an episode with, like, Scott Johnson to do, um, uh, like, I'm working on an episode that's more just the, the like, mar- marching and drum corps. So there's right. plenty of stuff that oh, they're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I want to oh, save time oh, now. Tom, Tom, Tommy Igo, that's the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. He's, yeah, he, uh, he's a drum corps guy. He knows his stuff. Um, yeah. I want to save time Right now, as we wrap up, for you to tell people where they can find you if they want to become a member of NARD, all that good okay. stuff. How, how does all that work? Okay. So uh, to become a member of NARD, uh, just uh, go to our website. It's uh, NARD, N-A-R-D dot U-S uh, dot com. And cool. uh, yeah, and uh, also um, you can... Uh, on there, I have the oh, the twenty six rudiments are on there. You only need to learn the first thirteen for to. Uh, you have to take an exam with a somebody that's already an ARD member. Um, you can contact me at uh, mb mbdrums at aol dot com if you send me uh, an email. You'd like to become a member. Uh, I'll I'll uh, forward you to one of our members uh, in whatever state you're in, and if they're close enough, you can have an exam with them. If not, we can do a, a Zoom exam uh cool. through zoom yeah yeah and um also my video is available through be a pfeiffer.com b-e-a-f-i-f-e-r.com that's uh ed boyle's site he's a pfeiffer but uh he, he also sells uh fret uh, fret doctor which is uh he actually was originally supposed to be fife oil for to oil your fife but it ended up guitarists use it for their frets to keep their frets oiled. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Little yeah, side that, business there. Yeah. But he also sells all these drum manuals. So if you want to learn about, if you want to have a copy of all these great drum manuals, go to Ed, uh, com for all those drum manuals. Cool. And uh, yeah. And uh, I'm, I don't know if um, I can give a shout out to uh, 
some of, of my endorse, my as an endorser. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Ev, uh, thanks to Evans, uh, Diadario. I don't know if you know this, but Diadario, um, the draw, the uh, guitar strings company, owns Evans. Yes. Uh, they're definitely. now making um, they're now making face shields for I the know. medical. Community. I know it's so yeah. cool. Yeah. So thanks to to Diadario and Evans for uh, for that for supporting the. Also, thanks to Ludwig Drums, Vic Firth, uh, Drumsticks, uh, and Drummer Service. Drummer Service is Andrew Reamer. Uh, I mentioned my buddy. Um, he was the best man at my wedding. He's um, he's the principal percussionist at the Pittsburgh Symphony, and he took over his dad's uh, drum making business. So he makes they make rope drums and drumsticks, cool. handmade drumsticks. So that's important to keep that going. Oh yeah, and uh, and thanks to my wife uh, Connie and my son. Uh, my son Nick and my uh, daughter-in-law Grace, and uh, to my troublemaker drum corps colleagues Lily Biotic Middlebrooks, Tom Middlebrooks, Steve Gillespie, Steve Kirkpatrick, also to uh, my friends in Connecticut, champion drummers Jim Clark, Charlie Poole Jr., and Cliff Bowers, who are big influence uh, in our uh, drumming down here in Pennsylvania, uh, and U.S. Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps Sergeant Major Mark Riley as well as to uh, Grammy Award-winning drummer Peter Erskine and his wife, Mutsi, uh, of their fuzzy music label. And I'd like to mention, too, that um, my album, my latest album, Battle Cry of Freedom, Fife and Drum Music of the Union Army and Anti-Slavery, uh, is available on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, uh, and Google Music. And it features the great fifer, Brittany Primavera, of uh, the U.S. Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps and Army Band. Also, uh, um, uh, my hat's off, and uh, we just lost a few really good, uh, great drummers, um, a rudimental drummer. Um, uh, we lost um, Jack Pratt. Uh, he was in the Hellcats, the West Point Hellcats, and taught the Hellcats, taught some drum corps. He just passed away, Jack Pratt, John Pratt. Also, George Carroll, who... Um, who uh, founded Williamsburg Fife and Drum Corps and the U.S. Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps? Uh, George Cowell passed away. He was he was very uh, he helped me out a lot in putting together my uh, my DVD and uh, getting gathering all this information. Also, Alan a- Alan Abel from the uh, Philadelphia Orchestra just passed away um, just a couple days ago. Um, he big influence on a lot of people. Uh, I had the fortune of playing with him a few times, and um, he was Andy Reamer's teacher, teacher for many classical percussion. But he's a great rudimental drummer too. So, but thank yeah, thanks again. Wow. I, I uh, want to thank you, Bart, for uh, this opportunity, and, my and Brandon Faulkner. Thank you so much. Absolutely, this has been great. I love learning things like this, and I hope people feel like this who who are listening out around the world. Like you know, we we don't get to hear this information very often um, from people like you. So it's an honor to have you on the show. So yeah, Mark well, Beecher, you. everyone, well, that's B E E C H E R. People yeah. can find you online and all that stuff. And, yeah, thank uh, you, thank you again. So my pleasure. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thank you. It was an honor. If you like this podcast, find me on social media at Drum History and please share, rate, and leave a review. And let me know topics that you would like to learn about in the future. Until next time, keep on learning. This is a Gwyn Sound Podcast. <laughs>